0: Alright, welcome everyone to Behind the Human. I'm your host, Mark Champagne, and it's my job to unpack the stories and mental fitness of people living at the top of their game personally and professionally. And today I am I am just jammed with excitement to have Coot on the show. He is a beloved inspirational speaker and transformational teacher. He's the author of the national best-selling book, You Are the One and the Magic of Surrender. He is widely considered the next generation leader in the field of personal development, which I can totally see why, and has been featured on Larry King, now Fox and Friends, Dr. Drew, as well as Inc. Magazine calls him the mindfulness guru, billionaire's go-to for advice. Coot, that's not not that bad. I'll take that title. (laughs) Congratulations. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm. I can't wait. I mean, I really. I'm holding back a bit to to jump into the topic because everyone gets the same opening um, question to start the show, which which helps leave job titles and our work and all that aside, and jumps right into the actual person. But I, before that, I have to say, I mean, I can't wait to get into the 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 topic of of surrendering and Great. putting our our ego aside, and just what I'm what I'm feeling from your book. Is just lightning or lightning, lightening life in a way, mm, mm. which is, which is beautiful. So before we get there, just who are you? Who's the person, the lovely human in front of me right now?
1: Who am I? Um, I'm a soul on a journey, evolving, mm. uh, consciousness manifested in human form. Oh, um, I love it. Born in Ghana, West Africa, father's from Ghana, mother's Japanese, grew up in London, live in Los Angeles, partly Mexico. Uh, so I feel like I'm from everywhere and nowhere as everything and nothing, a citizen of the world.
0: And uh, that's who I am, you know. I love it. How did it how did it all start? From from, yeah. you know, from from some of my research, you know, you you arrived in America at around 18, no money, no contacts, no job. I mean, what, like, what were some of the questions you were asking?
1: Uh, I, I would say, you know, it, it really started before that because sure. for me, um, as a young boy, I was a very empathetic kid, so yeah. I would feel people's pain and people's suffering uh, very deeply, mm-hmm. and there was always a part of me that wanted to alleviate suffering in some way. I just yeah. didn't know how to do that, and so... One of my first memories and and, and 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 some would say I grew up in a very unusual um upbringing, sure. although or it felt very usual, felt very normal, it felt very ordinary to me in, in yeah. a certain way. And and so how was it unusual for others though? It, it's all I knew, right? And 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 like my first memories as a young boy, I remember seeing literally I was a chubby kid lost in the crowd of like a thousand people and seeing uh, a crippled woman crawling on the floor and she picks up the sand that this man walks on, wipes it on her face and stands up and so week after week I grew up seeing blind people see and deaf people hear and people stand up out of wheelchairs and mm. uh, the same man who said she picked up would look at someone in a wheelchair and say, why are you in this wheelchair? You're not sick, stand up. Or he's put his hands on somebody who, who came in in crutches and say, hey, take your crutches away, you're healed. And so this was my father. Okay. And my father was considered like the miracle man of Africa, a very spiritual, you know, some would say enlightened man in a certain way. In a certain way he was a spiritual teacher to presidents in Ghana, in Africa, heads of state, uh, built 300 churches in Ghana, West Africa, with a very big following—hundreds um, of thousands of people—in uh, the 60s, 70s, wow. 80s. Had a huge church in London in the 80s and 90s, about four to five thousand people every Sunday. So I grew up in this you know, uh, interesting environment, but it's—it's it's all I knew. So I thought this was everyone's reality until I found out. Well, maybe this is not everybody's reality, and and so when I was age in terms of when it started, yeah. when I was age eight, uh, I was thrown into my father's audience. Uh, into my father's audience one day, and my father said, "Speak, my son is going to give the talk, give the sermon for the for the for, for the Sunday service." All of a sudden, and so that began my speaking career. Um,
0: okay. How and, did you feel in that moment, though, when he threw you up there? You know, when you're just eight flow? years
1: old, when you're eight years old. Um, When I was eight years old, I wasn't really thinking. And so I was 30 seconds before I was asleep on the front row. And then I was, (laughs) next thing I found myself on stage. And so I would love to say it was some grand, you know, elaborate thing. But all I remember was I was on stage and words started coming out of my mouth. I don't really know what I said. People were deeply impacted and tears and emotion. And that just began a relationship with communication and a relationship with speaking that was very very profound. It was like a channel opened up and things came through. And and so every, I don't know, every few months, every six weeks, every few months, my father would throw me in the audience and say, hey, speak. And this was my life as a kid. And so when I was 14, I was actually ordained as a minister. And that was a kind of big deal. And I was ordained as a minister. And it was announced that uh, to the congregation by my father that I was going to take over. His, his operation, his church, and I was the successor. I was the next guy. And so there were a lot of hopes and dreams and expectations on me and my entire life was set out for me. And I knew in that moment that I wanted to help people. But when it was announced, my heart actually sank because I knew, you know, this feeling when you know something's not right, and so i knew that something wasn't aligned i knew that this wasn't quite my truth and i wanted it to be and i tried to kind of fit myself into this box and convince myself but something didn't align but i was too um i was too scared honestly sure. to to speak my truth my fear was if i speak my truth and i think so many of us we hold back our truth We hold back being our authentic selves. We hold back pursuing our goals, dreams, desires, the fear of if I really am who I am, then you won't love me. And we allow fear to hijack us. And so being 14, um, I said nothing, went along with it, got ordained. uh, And for about four years, I went through a really profound inner turmoil and soul questioning and soul journey of who am I and what is my life and what is my purpose? And I knew that something wasn't right. So there was a deep uh, conflict inside of me. And so when I was 18, there was a profound shift and I looked into my future and I had a choice to make. On one hand, I felt this really deep, as though my soul was calling me to come to the, to the US, to come to America, to come to Southern California, specifically Los Angeles, because as a young kid, I began reading a lot of spiritual and self help books, and all of the authors of these self help books, at least 90% <laughs> of them lived in LA, lived in yeah. San Diego. And so I thought this is the Mecca. And so I felt a soul calling to come to America and Los Angeles. And it didn't make sense to my mind. Yeah, I think sometimes what your soul guides you to do uh, won't always make sense. And what your soul guides you to do is often not convenient. But what I found is if you really if you follow your soul and you don't compromise the the intelligence the guidance of your soul you will always end up in the right place even though the route that you take may not be the one you most expect and so i felt the calling man and it was it was bigger than me it was undeniable it was it was a pulling it was a nudging and then what yet when i looked into my future the future that was basically set out for me by everyone else especially my father I projected age 20, age 30, age 40, age 50, and I saw that I could be successful by the world's standards and everyone else's standards, but if I didn't have my soul, if I didn't have myself, if I didn't have my own integrity, then what kind of success is that? And I felt the deep pain of self-betrayal. I felt the deep pain as though I was committing a soul suicide, and, and, and I knew what I had to do. And and it was scary, it was terrifying, it was challenging. And what I had to do was face my father, face the music, speak my truth. Yeah. And I did when I was 18. And the, my father and I, we didn't speak for two years, which was very difficult. And long story short, uh, I left everything behind, um, ended up winning a green card in the green card lottery. Wow. And that's what enabled me to... You know, a kid with no college degree and no family support and no money and no contacts, prospects aren't great. And so I ended up uh, winning a green card in the green card lottery that enabled me to come to the U.S. Two suitcases, $800 in my pocket and showed up as a 19-year-old kid and began following my dream and went and found many of the mentors and teachers, you know, Jack Canfield, Deepak Chopra, yeah. found some of these folks, studied with some of these folks, learned from some of these folks. And that took me on a really profound journey of, of just understand personal yeah. growth and understanding myself. And then-
0: uh, well, few I have ago, to pause you there, because yeah. I mean, there's so much. I mean, the two things that come up uh, for me right away is just this heightened sense of self-awareness in a way at a, at a young age that i'm I'm curious to understand what you think helped surface like that connection deep into your soul, whereas many people, like they have little inklings of that, but it's quickly masked, right? and and then we're thrown into the autopilot of 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 life. So like were there things or practices or rituals and whatnot that that you were doing at that time that you think elevated that 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 sense of, yeah. of your soul? I, I would love to say it was some practice and mystical,
1: this, that special technique. It was pain, mm. simply pain. Okay. When I felt into my heart, I felt the pain of not living my truth. Okay. It was painful. It was depressing. It, it, my heart was torn. Because I just knew this wasn't right. I think one of the things that keeps us stuck as human beings from being fulfilled, from being happy, from going to the next level are all the ways we lie to ourselves as human beings in many ways for reasons we can get into. We are constantly consciously or unconsciously lying to ourselves about who we are, about what we need, about what we want, about what we feel. You know, we stay in relationships that we know are not aligned out of security, out of comfort, out of familiarity, right? Out of guilt, out of societal expectations. We work jobs that we know that we hate um, out of, again, security, out of safety uh, that we know is not the true expression of our purpose. And so I think for me, I just felt the pain. I think when we lie to ourselves, and sometimes we don't even know that we're lying to ourselves. But when we lie to ourselves, what you end up feeling is some pain. Pain is a signal that you are not in alignment. Pain is the signal in your psyche, in your emotions, in your body, that you are out of alignment in some way. But as a culture, we are kind of conditioned to distract ourselves feel some pain, pop a pill. Toast. And so what do yeah. we do when we feel pain? We drink it away, drug it away, sex it away, porn it away, shop it away, smoke it away, it, You know, social media it away, travel it yeah. away, w- whatever it is to not deal with the pain. But the pain is a messenger. The pain is a blessing. The pain is a friend. So I just felt such pain. And maybe I was naive enough at 18 that I didn't have any money to distract myself that... <laughs> yeah. That I was maybe innocent enough to just feel it and acknowledge it. And and look, when I projected into my life, age 20, age 30, age 40, I realized if I start lying to myself now to get the love that I think I want from my father and everyone else, I'm going to have to keep lying to myself for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And the pain of that was so great that I just, I couldn't do it. You know, and so I just invite people, if you feel pain in your life, don't distract it. Actually take the time to lean into it, to make it your friend, to feel it and, and like like feel the pain because that pain will stir something in you that will move you deeper. Feel the pain. Don't wallow in it, but feel it. And then ask yourself, what is the message that this pain is trying to communicate to me? What is this pain trying to tell me? Because to me, that is key. And so the other thing that people I think can do that I had to start doing, I didn't know I was doing it then, but I think in order to be free, we have to be willing to tell ourselves the truth. There is no freedom without truth. There is no transformation without truth. We have to want the truth more than we, we have to want to be free more than we want what we have and more than we want what we think we want. And so I would invite everyone to ask themselves the question, what lies am I telling myself? And just honestly, sincerely sit with the question, what lies am I telling myself? Feel it, sit with it, you know, because I think sometimes the fear of the consequences often uh, create a kind of conscious or unconscious denial. Like we're afraid of the consequence of what will happen. And so, we start playing a game with ourselves of like, I don't, I don't know what I feel. I don't know what my truth is. I'm not sure. I don't know when deep down we know there is a part of us that truly
0: knows mm-hmm. the just truth. slow down long enough to, to let to, that to to surface. To slow down,
1: unplug, and listen. But sometimes we're so afraid to slow down and listen because we're afraid if we slow down and listen, we might actually get in touch with the truth. And then, oh shit, then what? And so <laughs> we keep ourselves distracted because if we stay distracted, that we don't have to feel the truth, that we sense, we feel it, we sense it. Like how many times maybe folks listen to this conversation, you've been in a relationship and you knew this relationship wasn't quite right. Something felt off, but you kept trying to convince yourself. And then you would speak to your friends and you would say, I don't know if this is right, maybe, but that's so nice. And maybe I can make, maybe there's a way. And then the moment you broke up with that person, you said, the moment I knew that wasn't going to work. There's a part of us that knows. And so I think if we're willing to be courageous enough to say, okay, what lies am I telling myself? And I invite people, just take the pressure off of yourself of having to even take action. Sometimes the, the pressure of having to do something about it, like, oh, does that mean I have to divorce? Does that mean I have to like leave my job? No, doesn't mean you have to do anything, but just acknowledge the truth. You know what? I hate my job. Don't have to leave. Don't have to don't have to get a divorce. I'm not in love anymore. Don't have to break up. But just to acknowledge I'm no longer in love and feel the truth because I think acknowledging the truth starts a process. And so all I did was I think in some way at a young age, just started to acknowledge the pain. And I began to just tell myself the truth. And I knew if I was really honest, the truth was, this is not my path. This is my father's path. This is... The community's path. These are the expectations, and I could never be truly fulfilled and happy living someone else's life. I could never be truly fulfilled and happy being someone that I'm not. And so, I think yeah. pain is feedback if we're willing to listen.
0: Well said and beautiful prompts. I mean, all of my work and, and the listeners of this show are, are quite familiar with this. Is that you know I live the life <clears throat> basically on the on the philosophy that we're all one question away from a completely different path or life at. Mm-hmm any moment and a lot of those questions that you you left here to me are those those kind of prompts hello friends given you're here i'm making the assumption that you're motivated to be mentally fit so with that in mind i want to let you know about the better questions newsletter which publishes once or twice a month providing all of us the opportunity to slow down think and ask better questions as you know, quality questions are my thing. And this is an opportunity to share the prompts I've studied and curated to help our minds be healthier, clearer, more intentional, and expand our mental capacity. You can sign up over at behindthehuman.com slash newsletter, which will also give you a preview of my debut book, Personal Socrates. That's behindthehuman.com slash newsletter. Now back to the show. The thing I, I definitely, I want to continue kind of your story and, and then we'll, we'll get into some of the, the concepts of the book, but there's everything that you just shared right now that I think myself included and people can resonate with, or we've heard similar stories where, where people are on a path and it's not their path, it's someone else's path, even though it might be a beautiful path. And there's there's something like exactly what you did and you followed uh, your soul and your your heart and Know, many don't. uh, And thankfully, you did. But then the next part of your journey is the one that when I was reading the book, I was like, shit, how, like, that's, that's serious. How, Mm. how do you practically come to this realization and like the pain that must have been felt to, and I'll let you tell the story, but in, in, in short, basically, you, you pushed, you, you followed your soul, you did the work, you got to the point where, you know, you were about to essentially get everything you thought you wanted, and then mm-hmm. at the at the very last minute, I'm obviously referring to the the, the 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 film and the movie contract and so forth. And then you said no after uh-huh. medita- after meditating. So uh-huh. you know, fill in the gaps, obviously. But I I could I just remember reading that part of the book and getting shivers wow. because. One thing I because one of it, one of the one of the things I was scared about is like, I hope this isn't a sign for me <laughs> <And I laughs> at that, that point, and this is a you know, a training ground, but uh, on the other side I said, wow, that must have been a really, really challenging time. So go ahead, please fill in the the gaps to that That's yeah, right. I
1: mean, in, in a nutshell, I had come to the us and wanted to uh, at least I was inspired to create a TV show. And uh, I I thought, wow, it would be cool to use media as a way to inspire a new generation and uh, take spirituality, self-help mainstream in a certain sense. And so, oh, I want to be like the next Oprah, right? And had this TV talk show concept idea. And in a nutshell, like as a kid with no context in Hollywood and no idea of Hollywood, because it's not why I came here, I began pursuing this TV show idea and started to knock on doors and began to track people down. I mean, I I found I literally found Steven Spielberg and went and tracked down executives from Disney, executives from CBS, executives from you know NBC, ABC, talent agents. You know, it was like I people say sometimes, "Could I've done everything?" and they've like made three phone calls. I literally got rejected and laughed at so many times in the process. I mean, laughed out of rooms, like kicked out of buildings because I was obsessed with trying to manifest the show. So I really went for it. And there came a point when I read about these managers and these managers represented Michael Jackson, Mariah Carey, Leonardo DiCaprio, Backstreet Boys, J-Lo, probably Martin Lawrence, a few other folks. And I thought, wow, I think these guys... They get it. Like, I think they could they could make it happen. And so I wrote them a letter. Crazily enough, they responded. Okay. Um, I pitched them, and they looked at each other. And for almost the first time in my few, few years of trying to re- manifest this show, they looked at each other, and they said, man, you're a star. We're, we're, we're going to make this happen. And they hand me a contract. And they said, come back tomorrow. We're going to start working and we're going to go to Fox. We're going to, uh, we're, basically, we're, we're doing making this. this show happen. It's happening. Yeah. And, you know, these guys don't take on people that they, they don't think they can. And so it was happening. And and they laid out this whole plan and picture. And, blah, and they're like, Fox wants this exact type of thing. And this is the deal. Blah, blah, blah. And I said, okay, I'm going to go. I'll bring this contract tomorrow, just meditate on it. And I went home and I meditated. And part of a blessing and a curse is I I, I, I I, can't, everything I do has to feel aligned in some way. And so when I meditated on it, I, I felt a very strong sense that this was not aligned. And so I felt a no, a very clear no. This was not the same feeling I got Regards my green card or leaving my father's church you know yeah. in those instances I got yes leave yes green card yeah and so I knew that when I follow this 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 energy, my soul I'm guided in the right direction when I don't things don't work out so so this was very different and I thought, oh shit. This is not what I want to feel. This is no. not the, the guidance I want. Like is there some other guidance like <laughs> sometimes we ask for guidance and we we'll say that, you know universe not that something else. Yeah, I'll take the so other door. <laughs> I I knew that this guidance I was being given was 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 right for whatever the reason. And sometimes we're guided in moments and things don't make sense but usually in hindsight everything fits together. And so naive enough, crazy enough I said okay. And I called these guys up the next day. These were like mega managers in Hollywood, and I said, uh, "I can't do it." And they said, "Are you crazy? Why?" I said, "Because my soul tells me no." And they, you know, basically said, "F your soul, and you're <laughs> yeah. stupid, and you're crazy." And I said, "Okay." And I, I would love to say like the heavens parted, and I felt amazing, and I felt I felt like shit, yeah, and I felt very confused. And I went into a bit of a funk, a bit of a depression, because I felt the sense of frustration that everything I'd been pursuing, literally, I was homeless. I was broke. I was so obsessed with manifesting the show. I was sleeping on friends' couches, scrounging for money, scrounging for food, like I had nothing. Because I was just that obsessed in making this thing happen. Mm-hmm. And so... um. I remember feeling so, like, disappointed, abandoned by life, depressed, and I didn't know what to do, and that left everything behind. And that's when I decided, you know what, I, that's when I really, I think, at least one level of, I remember saying, surrendering and saying, okay, universe, I don't know what the hell you want from me, because what I thought was somehow isn't. Mm -hmm. And maybe what I think is, isn't, maybe. And so I don't know anymore what, what I'm supposed to do with my life. And that's when I decided, you know what, I'm going to put everything in storage, break up with my girlfriend and go travel. And I'm going to travel to... I ended up going to Thailand, ended up going to walk the Camino in northern Spain, ended up going to Israel, studying with some rabbis, ended up in India. And I basically said, I'm not coming back to the US, the place I wanted to be my whole life. Mm -hmm. I'm not coming back to the US until I find certain answers for myself. I need to know who I am. I need to know what my purpose is. I need to know why I'm here. I need to know like the true nature of happiness and what happiness is and what the hell is life about? Because I've been pursuing this thing and it's not. And so I basically packed everything up, sold everything and started traveling. And that's what took me to India. And it was in India that I had certain realizations and profound awakenings that then enabled me or I was guided to come back to L.A. again months okay. later, and that—that's when I started working with people. And I really look back now, and you know, sometimes not getting what you thought you wanted is the biggest blessing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Not getting what you thought you wanted isn't failure; it's sometimes grace and a blessing from the universe. But often, in the moment that happens, from the perspective of our ego, we're not always able to see uh, why that's not manifesting or why that's not happening. And and I look back now and I'm so grateful because had I gotten a show at 20 years old, 21 years old, 22 years old, I probably would not have gone as deep into my own inner healing and spiritual sure. path. And it was really because I went and traveled and went deep into my own spirituality and personal development at a young age that enabled me to to do what I'm doing now. And, yeah. and so um, yeah wow. I think sometimes not getting what you want is a blessing and grace and and there's a reason even yeah. though we're not able to see it
0: it's I, I mean even just obviously I knew the story but even just listening to it back again is just it 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 blows my mind but it also gives uh, a tremendous sense of of comfort in you know trusting the life path or trusting yeah. the journey and I think gives all of us the permission to, mm-hmm. to slow down and, you know, tap into mm-hmm. ourselves and follow those, those breadcrumbs of life and, and so mm-hmm. forth. Right. And that, um, you know, if you do that and, and, and you can, you can enjoy the, 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 journey as much as possible. I know we all say that and it's easier said than done, especially when you're in the mess of things and it feels yeah. very stressful and uh, you know, finances are, are, are challenging and so forth. But, just trusting that there there's, you know, this is the path for, for us. I'm curious, like the thing I would, I, you know, as I was going through the book and, and something, you know, I also struggle with myself and it seems like you you're in this, this exact realm, but is like the balance of doing the work and, You know, setting objectives and and goals and so forth, and also you know, visualizing those things and you know, manifesting and and seeing the signs. Balancing that with also stepping back and and essentially surrendering to like the flow of what's happening. Like, how do you even to this day balance those two things? Because I feel like it's it's like a mental tug of war in 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 a a way.
1: So so so, uh, we're going to clarify that very simply
0: today okay that,
1: good. So, so so in a way that there's no confusion and it's really simple i do think it's important that we just define a bit because we're talking about surrender we've mentioned a few times i think it's what we just kind of like provide a framework yeah so that people understand well what does stepping back mean and what does surrender mean because i think in our culture today there is this misconception that surrender is Stepping back. Surrender is weak. That surrender is passive. That surrender means giving up. That if you surrender, you won't manifest your goals, your dreams, your desires. That if you surrender, you're going to be taken advantage of. You're going to get less in life. And I'm actually saying, no, what if you surrendered and you actually didn't get less, but you got more, like more than you could have actually planned and strategize and visualize and intended for yourself with your limited mental capacity and imagination. And so what if you got more? And to me, that's the invitation of real surrender. Real surrender is to take the limitations off of life. Real surrender is when you don't limit life with your own small ego's intention of, this is what I want. And this is what it's going to be. And then we try to make it happen as you're talking about force, make, 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 make and push. And then maybe life is trying to like open up a a whole bigger realm of possibilities that we're not able to see with our Mm -hmm. limited lens of our ego's perspective. And so to surrender is to let go of control, or I should say the illusion that we're in control, because in so many ways we're not in control. Of course. You know, to surrender is to stop trying to force. That's the key word force life to fit our limited idea of what we think it should be. And there's a difference between force and flow. And to mm-hmm. surrender is giving up the idea of who we think we should be and how we think life should be. And trying to make it that way, which only leads to more stress and anxiety and frustration, so that we can be open. Surrender is an openness. It's an an availability to allowing the deeper impulse and unfolding of life to express and be made manifest. And so it's taking the limitations of life. When we truly are in surrender, we are available to infinite possibilities rather than the limited idea of like, It's got to be this person. This person is going to be my soulmate, and that's it. And and maybe they're not the right freaking person. I mean, if we look in our lives, I mean, how many times have you, or maybe folks listening in, you thought this person was the one, and they weren't. And now you look back and you think, thank God that didn't work out. I couldn't imagine that it wouldn't be that person. But now, uh, in hindsight, thank God it didn't work out. And so now to specifically get to your question, So surrender, see, the old paradigm is really, has been about, even in personal growth, know what you want, get clear on what you want, go make it happen, then visualize what you want and intend what you want and hold what you want and write it down. Nothing wrong with that. It's good to get clear as you can. The challenge is sometimes you manifest and you can't manifest that way. You can, yeah, but it will often be limited. And so many times you manifest what you wanted, or let's just say what you thought you wanted. And then you realize, shit, what I thought I wanted was not really what I really wanted. It was just kind of what I thought I wanted based on who I thought I was. And so if we're not in touch with who we really are, then often our goals, dreams, things that we're visualizing can be projections of unmet needs from our childhood that we're trying to fulfill that that's not even truly aligned, like, ah, oh, I wasn't loved, I wasn't valued, so if I can just, like, be famous, if I can just get the Lamborghini, if I can just get the house, nothing wrong with those things, but if I can just, then I'm going to, like, be enough, like I wasn't when I was a kid, and so nothing outside of us can truly fulfill us, nothing wrong with those things, but it it's limiting, and so for me, in the path of surrender, and I really feel as a humanity, if you look at the last few years on a spiritual level, we are being... I think we are being initiated and being forced to evolve into a whole new way of living and relating in life. For
0: sure. That
1: is about living more in alignment with truth and nature and flow and the universe. And so, surrender is all about, it starts with a different question. It doesn't start with, what do I want? It starts with, what is life seeking to unfold through me? What What, what is what is the deepest impulse of my soul, life, mm-hmm. seeking to express through me. What is what is it seeking to podcast through me? Like, for, for example, the Magic of Surrender book that I wrote, which became a bestseller, was not the book I thought I was going to write. It was not the book I even wanted to write. I wanted to write a whole other book. I thought, I thought of like 15 sexy, amazing ideas, books I thought would be bestsellers, books I thought publishers would want, books I thought my audience would want. None of those, the truth is, maybe i write them one day, but none of those felt aligned. None of those felt true. The only topic that felt authentic and in, in flow was surrender. And I resisted it. But when I, when I told myself the truth and I acknowledged this is the book and the topic that is seeking to be written, it has a soul of its own. Then, and so when we ask ourselves the question, what is the deepest impulse of what life is seeking to express through me? And we become still, we listen, and we feel what that is. Then we align ourselves, we accept, we acknowledge, and we align ourselves with that impulse, that, that energy, that flow. Then you can align your personality, your mind, your ego, your will, your intention, your visualization, your goals, your journaling, all of that with what is in alignment, not just what you think you want, but what is actually in alignment with the highest flow, the highest expression. And at that point, then what you're visualizing is more authentically aligned versus just from some egoic place. Then you're in flow. You're working in harmony with nature. You have the support of life. Then you give 100%. Then you go into action. It might mean you work harder than you worked ever. You know, mm-hmm. Mandela worked hard, Gandhi yeah. worked hard, you know, B- Buddha worked hard, Bruce Lee worked hard, Ma- you know, Muhammad Ali worked hard, Mother Teresa worked hard. They weren't just sitting there going, oh, I'm just going to step out of life and whatever happens, happens. They worked, but they were working in alignment with their soul. They yeah. surrendered. They were surrendered. They surrendered themselves to their deeper truth, to mm. life. And that's when... The magic happens. So, so you take action, you give 100%, but, but you do your best to not get attached to the outcome and the result. And, and so you give 100%, but you also remain open. Trusting that yeah. I'm giving 100%, that I'm going in the direction of what's true, and I'm working, now I'm going for it. You're available and you're open to life showing you, because sometimes life takes you in a direction and you think it's meant to be that, but it, it was just a necessary journey you needed to go on in order to grow and evolve and develop the mental, emotional, psychological muscle to be prepared for the vision. But when we get so attached, to it, it's got to be this. We're not open to the pivot that life might take you on. And so I think that there's, there's the, the dance. It's about being more engaged in the process and the growth and the evolution versus the thing, and the outcome yeah. right and the, and there's i think an answer to your question oh, so so well
0: said i mean I, what i'm hearing is it's it definitely a, a, the, the starting point is to just get very clear right yeah. and those as clear steps, as you can as clear, as, as, you clear can. as you can but you know just so you can not you, to your point align and 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 head in the direction that is you know coming coming from your core essentially right um, and it, like I, I, I couldn't help but think, like as you're saying that, just if anyone wants to kind of just even test the theory or the or the uh, the the logic, I mean, we can just quickly step back and, and look at our own lives. And, like I think of even this podcast, like my book, and and it, I, never in a million years would I've anticipated this being where I was at. Y- yet yeah, I still do a lot of this visualization and set. So it's you know it's you provided a beautiful way to. Uh, to 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 balance uh the, the thought process behind this and I mean, like look at Mandela, care? like like could he have planned that? Yeah, I'm gonna yeah. do this, do this, then I'm gonna spend
1: 27 years in prison, then I'm yeah. gonna come out and, and it's not that you couldn't have planned that, but yeah. that didn't mean he just sat there and did nothing. He went in the direction and then life took him in a certain direction, and all of these unexpected things happened. And should he have not spent 27 years in prison? What if he didn't? Would he yeah, have been, interesting? Would he have been the Mandela that went? He probably wouldn't have developed the mental, emotional, psychological, yeah. spiritual muscle, soul force that he needed. It probably took 27 years in prison for life to cook him at the level of compassion and vision and empathy and forgiveness and insight, right? And 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 understanding, so that he could come out and in a few short years have the impact. And so sure. should he have not? Uh, yeah, that's I don't a, think so.
0: That's a good <laughs> question. I mean, on that topic or just, you know, developing that soul force. And I think, you, you know, what I call mental fitness as well. And, and I, you know, you've talked a lot about your meditations and checking in and really, you know, seeking that alignment. I'd love to ask some questions around just oh. the day-to-day practicality pieces oh. of I, maybe let's first start like the actual meditation that you're doing, like wh- wh- how are you going into it? Like what is it, is it visualizing yourself having made that decision or signing the contract? Is it just is it something else? like what's the actual meditation that you're doing?
1: Doing where, just to be specific.
0: When you're trying to get clear on oh. those kind of big decisions, when yeah, you felt I, those I, nudges?
1: I, I think for me, it's, it's let's even simplify it. Let's not even call it meditation, because sure. for some people that might be like, oh, meditation, I can't meditate. And I think it's just allowing yourself to sit yeah. and be still. When you can sit unplug from the world and external stimuli, then you just allow yourself to listen, mm. openly and innocently. Because sometimes we listen with agenda. We listen with bias. We listen for what we want to hear, and we look for justifications to rationalize what we've heard. Oh, this person is the one, right? Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. No, just listen. And 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 sometimes you're when you sit in openness and just listen, underneath the thoughts, underneath the mind, you will often feel, um, maybe a sensation or a sense, a subtle feeling. And so sometimes the nudgings or the guidance of the universe, it doesn't come in some loud siren bell, like, this <laughs> yeah. is the direction, you know? Or it doesn't come, It sometimes it just comes in a strange sense, like, yeah. I have a sense I need to go, ah, wow, why, why am I thinking about Chicago? I don't know. Why am I th- Something says go to Brazil. Something says go to Miami. Ah, ah, ah. Here's where we get stuck. When we feel the sense, mm, something mm, yeah, like go to LA, the mind starts going, but why? And what what's that about? Then we start overanalyzing and try to understand everything. And so one thing we have to give up is the need, the mind's need to constantly understand what, everything means. This is an egoic tactic of control. The ego's job is to reinforce its existence and keep us safe. So we believe mistakenly, if we can understand everything and and control everything, then we we will be able to mitigate risk. And it's not true. And so I've just learned to not try to figure everything out. And that I don't need to understand what everything means in order to follow the guidance. Like you don't need to know and understand what things mean and where you're going to get to exactly where you need to be. And so part of my practice that I would invite people to to just go with is, if you feel something says, turn left, turn left, don't ask. Yeah. And now when I'm guided, I don't ask, turn left. Okay, go ahead. Okay, dude, okay. And many times in the moment you are taking that action, you won't necessarily know why. Often the reason will be clear when you put the dots together as you look back on your life a few years later and you're like, now I know I needed, now I know why I needed to go there.
0: Mm, It's perfectly clear. I
1: didn't understand the piece of the puzzle. Oh, I thought I was going there because of this and this and this, but it was actually... Because I needed to go there and then go here to meet this person to then do that thing. Ah, right? And so when we listen to the guidance that is not just strategized with the mind, the mind is limited. The mind is limited to the past. The mind is limited to our conditioning. The mind is limited. So when we, when we create life from just the level of the ego mind, you don't realize that you are limiting the possibility of what you can manifest. But when you're allowing the intelligence of life to to guide you and you're acting on that, you are now functioning in an unlimited dimension. Mm-hmm. You're not you, you, you're, yeah. your creation is not necessarily limited to what you knew before right That's yeah. the magic that I'm talking about. Yeah,
0: well, and that's the that I feel like that's the perspective shift that just allows all yes. of this to happen. Yes. Uh, I'm conscious of time, so I'm going to start wrapping up. But I I would just sticking on this topic. Just on a on a day to day basis for you, are there any? Uh Because this, you know, this is highly uh, a show covering mental fitness and 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 just just to set the context. This isn't to say here's the recipe for these practices. It's more to just show. Oh well, maybe maybe this one that that coop mentioned would would align well with you know uh, with my life and what I'm doing so I'd love to know if you have any kind of like non-negotiable practices yeah, or rituals sure. um, that that help keep your mind clear and and, well, and one
1: able one simple non-negotiable is very basic I exercise pretty much every day yeah it's not it's not even a thought it's not even a negotiation. This morning, I did an hour on the elliptical. Yesterday, I did an hour and 15 minutes in the gym and 45 minutes and then cardio. So an hour and 15. Every day, move my body, sweat, exercise. For me, that actually sets the foundation for my mind. It becomes more of a mental thing because it's almost like if I can do that, even if I don't feel like it sometimes, then everything else i can manage and so non-negotiable is exercise because that provides a foundation for the rest of life you know i meditate yeah. um yeah.
0: You, you must journal just given the amount of reflection that i you i mentioned. used to do a lot
1: of journaling okay a lot i used to journal every day from being a teenager and now it depends you know it, it's it's uh twice a week three okay. times a week in my zone yeah. uh, it, it depends.
0: Well, you, I mean, I suspect because this is—I—I I started my my whole entrance into this this world of mental fitness with uh, with a journaling app and and so forth. And I often just, you know, ask people to to open up their definition of journaling because to me it's just reflection. And yeah. with the amount of prompts that you've left in this this conversation, I imagine your journal your journaling daily just may not uh-huh. be pen to paper or using an app. You're doing it yeah. in in whatever way, you know, lines or works for you, but you're thinking, you're definitely thinking yeah, yeah, and, and, and yeah. instilling the mind to do so. Huh. This isn't, I mean, I can go for hours with you. Uh, this is, I mean, we've just scratched the surface and I would highly, highly encourage people to, uh, really pick up any of your work, but I mean, being deep into the magic of surrender, uh, you know, great place to start. There's so, yeah. I mean, you're just getting a, a teaser of of what's in there just from some of the prompts that you've, coot uh, that you've left in this conversation. But is there is there anywhere else you'd like to point people?
1: Yeah, people can go to my website, cootblaxon.com, K-U-T-E, CootBlaxon.com. Everything's there. If people want to really deep dive twice a year, I do an event in Bali, mm. uh, 12 Days Immersion Transformation, also called Boundless Bliss. So that's com. And uh, Instagram, Coot Blackson. Facebook, Coot Love Now. Amazing.
0: Well, I would like to thank you for, A, making the time to be on this show, but a higher thank you for just constantly tapping in to to, to find that alignment because, because of that, there are literally millions of people that have been a part of that ripple effect. And, you know, that deserves such a beautiful, uh, you know, Thanks, and you know, some virtual high fives and a big hug, and you know, kind of keep going because it's uh, it's really admirable to see the, the work that you're putting out in this world. Thank you. Thanks
1: for having me.